Hello and welcome to another Marketing Meetup podcast. My name is James and I'm really grateful that you've tuned in. Uh, today we've got a talk from a chap called Andy Lambert who works for Adobe and on their product team. Um, Andy was one of the founding team before that in uh, a company called Content Cal. Um, you might remember them as one of our partners uh, from a little while ago uh, before they were acquired. Uh, which was a social media scheduling tool. And so Andy's worked in the space for 15 plus years um, and he's a really, really experienced marketer and social media specialist. And he's spoken for us uh, a number of times at in-person events and online. And he's a really, he's a really brilliant individual to, to tap into. So I think you're going to enjoy this session. Um, Andy is going to take a step-by-step -step through how to build a social media strategy uh, from sort of concepts through to creativity and community, um, the different channels that he uses and believes in, and then calculation as well, like what are the metrics and what should we be looking at? There's a bunch of people out there telling us the latest tactics, but rarely do we hear about the most important thing, which is building a solid social media strategy and understanding why you're posting and what you want to achieve and how you're going to get there. So today we've got a presentation from Andy and then there's some Q&A at the end. Uh, I'd also like to say a massive thank you to Frontify, who is a new partner for us in 2024. Uh, they are a brand building platform that gathers everyone under one roof to collaborate, organise and create in unity. So it's a place for your brand guidelines, your digital asset management, your templates, logos, colour palettes, all that kind of thing. So if you're running a campaign uh, it's a great place to store all those creatives um, and share with team members and partners that are involved. It's going to get you organised and they are a great bunch of people. So do check out Frontify. And so I think that's me done. Uh, I'm going to hand over to Andy and I hope you enjoy the session. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you so much, James. And thank you, everyone, for giving me a bit of your likely very busy afternoon. So, uh, I really hope that this will be valuable for everyone and, of course, happy to, to take any questions offline that uh, I don't get a chance to, to address today. I'll share contact details, I'll share the slides in the chat. Uh, a bit of a note, just try and remind me not to uh, forget to share the slides because there's quite a lot of detail on these. So they are designed as a bit of a takeaway too. But I want to start today with uh, a bit of a confession, if I'm honest. So the confession is, is that I don't really perceive myself uh, as an expert in social media, or do I perceive what I'm about to walk you through, which is a step-by-step -step social media strategy, as the only way of doing it? Because the reality is everyone's context and experience of social media is so uniquely different is that we all should be in learning mode. As much as everyone would say they're an expert, this is the only way to do it, the three steps to do X, it doesn't really exist on social media. It's ever-changing. So it just serves us all just to have that humility to say we're all learning from each other, and I have a lot to learn from everyone that's on this call too. So whilst I'll share all of my experiences openly and as widely as I possibly can, you know, just just be, you know, be aware, just take whatever you see as appropriate for you from what I'll talk about today. Don't feel for a moment you have to do this. This is the only way of doing it. So I just want to start with that because a very wise man called Joe Glover once told me, I think it's some advice from his, from his grandfather, that share your experiences, not your opinions. So that is what I'll do today. So 
already done the intro, so I don't really need to talk about the boring stuff about me. But just to give you a bit of context, my experience in social media spans 15 years, really through the context of using it as the primary tool to grow businesses. I've always been in small businesses and startups. That really is, is my context and the lens that I typically see social media through. So we've got three things to cover today. It's going to be high energy. It's going to be pretty fast paced, but we're going to make sure, and James, keep me honest here, that we'll spend a good amount of time for Q&A as well, because I, I tend to talk lots. Uh, if you've seen me talk before, which a few of you have, so hello to a lot of familiar names in the chat. Uh, so I tend to get carried away because I do like this topic somewhat. So I get rather excited and animated and passionate. So I'll try and contain it somewhat as we go through it. Anyway, Let's start with the most important thing, why social media strategy matters. I've only got three slides for this, but my word, they are the things that I just want to batter every senior stakeholder over the head with because social media is still criminally undervalued in most businesses that I speak to, right? That is the, you know, I said I wasn't going to, you know, share experiences, not opinions. There's something I'm deeply opinionated on, which is, which is this not business is not taking social media seriously enough because really at its root social media is all about psychology and how brands are built let me explain a little bit more we know this search and social and the, and the dynamics of them are changing more people are going to social first rather than search to discover new products and services this is a change we've seen happening over the last five to six years and really now only has it gone over the tipping point where more people are defaulting to social rather than search to discover products for the first time that has serious ramifications for our broader marketing strategy, right? Social media should not be seen as like the bolt on as to like, oh, we've got an event to promote. Let's bang it out on social. That is completely misunderstanding and doing a disservice to the impact and power that social has. Everyone on this call, you already, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here. You already know this. But the thing about this, and it's even so unique, I mean, TikTok is really accelerating this trend as well. 40% of, of consumers go to TikTok first, just TikTok alone to discover new products and services. People are turning to social first. And there's a couple of reasons for this. So two kind of getting a bit psychological here, but there's two real things that are driving this. One, search costs. And I don't mean monetary costs. I mean the cost of time and resources. For us to find the best product, whether it's in our consumer lives or business, requires a heap of effort in searching, right? As we pour through Google or social or whatever. And it's it's very quickly become then when we look at Google that many people that have engineered SEO doesn't really give us the, the best possible experience when we're trying to search for the best product. Typically, we're trying to find a way to shortcut search costs. We're we want to find the best product quickly. So that's search costs, but you've also got opportunity costs, the costs of making the wrong decision, whether it's, again, something you're buying in your, your own personal life or within a business construct, the opportunity costs are big of making the wrong decision. So naturally, we as consumers and humans need to shortcut this. We need to make sure we're making the right decision, but we also need to, we don't want to spend too much time making the decision. That creates a very interesting dynamic, which therefore plays into social's hands because naturally the consumer and the trusted element that exists on social where you know i'm friends with james if james recommended me something to use i would likely take his recommendation uh, as gold and will end up using that product right so that's what exists on social 
And then when you think that 85% uh, of people trust peers over ads, to be honest, I question the other, the friendship group of the other 15% here, because realistically, that is the way decisions are made. Trust is the thing that builds a brand. It sits at the cornerstone of it. And the thing that's helping these kind of search and opportunity costs of searching for the right product and service, that's what is driving people away from Google and more towards social media to try and find those products and services because we need to shortcut making the right decision. So we're deferring and defaulting to peers, not just in the social media feed, but in kind of DMs and in our private communities. So naturally, the way that we're getting influenced to buy and discover new products is changing, is orientating more social. So this then goes on to the main thing that I'm opinion of, opinionated about, the thing that I will die on the hill of, is that social media is a business strategy, not a channel. The way that we've always built businesses and the way that I built Content Cal as well was as, you know, seeing social media strategy as a central point of the business. It isn't a bolt on, it is the business strategy because it, it makes perfect sense. Surely you want to build your business on the tool that's going to allow word of mouth to spread, that's going to allow trust to grow, because really that's what a brand is. A brand is your promise. A brand is your trust and it's your trust at scale. That word of mouth helps us grow. So with those three dy dynamics and dimensions to, to look at social media strategy, these are the things that I end up talking to senior stakeholders, our investors when we're at, at Content Cal about this is why social media and the investment that you make in growing a business with social media at the core is so, so essential. Decisions are happening on social media. We're deferring to, to peers to shortcut trust. And ultimately to do that, we need to think so we need to think about social media as a more of a central tenet to our business. And that is what we're going to talk about throughout the whole, whole of today. How do we make that happen? All right, before we're going to go into that, into the kind of framework and how we build social media as a, as a central defining function for our business strategy, not just our marketing strategy. We want to look at these six golden rules as well. So if you take nothing else away from this session, I've shared these numerous times before. So sorry if I'm repeating myself, but honestly, these are, as far as I'm concerned, the non-changing elements of social. Number one, scaling word of mouth is our ultimate ambition. As we've just been speaking about, it's the way decisions are made. It's the way that brand and trust is built. Our whole job on social is not to go viral or build followers or anything like that. It's about getting as many people to talk about us as possible. That is our only thing that we should care about. And the way to get as many people talking about us as possible is through collaborations. Finding people to work with is the best way I've ever found to grow a brand quickly because collaboration is the best way to build trust. Five, nearly six years ago, uh, I uh, stalked Joe and James from the marketing meetup to try and make them be friends with me. Um, and that became a wonderful friendship and a fantastic collaboration that, that still exists today. So those collaborations and the time and effort you invest in those relationships with people that are very important and influential in the industry will make a huge difference to how you grow your brand. Participation increases engagement. So thinking a little bit more tactical in, in this comment is every piece of content that we create should have how will our audience interact with it at its core, right? I'm sure if you were joining, if you joined Sophie's webinar last week, Sophie talks lots about this kind of stuff. So Sophie's content is absolutely brilliant. So if you didn't see that, definitely go and watch it. Engagement drives reach. And that's one of the nice truisms about social media. 
algorithms change and we all look at the latest hacks and latest tricks of you know what's happening with the algorithm i'm going to touch a little on it on that a little bit but to be honest we can get rid of all of that noise with a simple three uh three word sentence really the more engagement that you'll drive in your content whether, whether it's whether it's comments predominantly or whether it's watch time that will drive reach no matter what social platform you're on and reach is always driven when you encourage more people to interact with your content and when i say interact with your content might be simply asking a question at the end of your post it might be doing some collab posts on insta or using the add your sticker if we're thinking about it more tactically just to bring it to life a little bit then number five reach drives awareness with more people seeing our content, they become aware. Typical marketing law is that people need to see our message seven times before they become cognitively aware of it. So that's typically what we're looking for. We're looking at driving mass reach. And that's where social media and the, the power of working with others allows us to infiltrate other communities and build trust and influence and word of mouth at scale. And just to keep it really simple at number six, because we often overcomplicate the process of marketing and realistically us as humans because until ai are uh, and we have machines buying products right now it's still squishy things that sit in seats that are purchasing products and unfortunately or fortunately whichever way you look at it we are flawed individuals right so we are susceptible to all kinds of biases and of course because we talked about like those search and opportunity costs as well we'll typically defer to the best product being the one that they know Right. So that's why. And I'm going to talk about how we can make that work in reality and how we can like put some practical approaches to all of these six. So these are the golden rules. They're never changing. And ultimately, these give us some like foundations as to how we then consider social media as the core tenet of our business strategy and how we grow our brand. All right, then let's go on to the content framework that will allow us to kind of walk through this step by step. And in each of these steps, we're going to bring it to life. Seems kind of complex here, but I'm going to walk through it at a high level. Essentially, we can break it down into the six C's. So this is something that um, I've been using for the last eight years, I would say, as a main way that we think about how we build a business from scratch. So um, like I say, when I'm building a business from scratch, I'm thinking social media first. So this doesn't apply just if you're a startup or brand new business. This can apply retroactively into uh, any organization that you work within. Anyway, number one, firstly, the first seat is all about customer. I'm going to go more into that. But naturally, you've got three steps related to how can we understand the customer, the problems that's solving? And how can we be absolutely certain that it means something to them? I'm going to talk in a bit more detail about that in a second. Second C is context. So what's this with the understanding of our audience? What's the story we're going to tell? And what do we want to achieve through all of this? Because, of course, goals are always going to be important in strategy creation. And then the final four C's, as you can see, they're a cycle because they are continuing. Those first two C's, really, we do them once as we start the strategy. But these four C's are the ones that will be consistent and perpetual as how do we tell that story creatively? How do we bring it to life within a community? How do we then amplify that through a bunch of different channels? And then how can we understand our metrics and how can we demonstrate success? So we're going to walk through those six different steps one by one. So these are the six C content. This is a six C content strategy. We're going to walk through this one by one. All right. It starts with customers as it always should do. Firstly, customer, the, the persona and the problem statement, like who do I want to care? Right. This is where 
any business, I would encourage them to think about who is their minimum viable audience, who right at the core, because we all have lots of people we want to target. If we had to strip away all of that noise and target and focus only on one very high value individual, who would that be? That's what I define as like the minimum viable audience. So who are we going to target and what's their problem statement? What are the challenges they face? So which is why should they care? So these three circles can easily be answered by these they have three simple questions, but kind of complex at the same time. So who do I want to care? Why should they care? What do we hypothesize uh, are the problems that our audience faces? So if we go back to, to content Cal days as, as we were building that business, who do I want to care? Social media managers. Why should they care? They care because organization or keeping organized is very, very hard. Stakeholder management and approvals is a nightmare and a whole load of other things. So we had some strong hypothesis as to why they would care. But then customer research and discovery. And I cannot tell you how many businesses skip this step because marketing is typically something and social media in particular is something that's one given to you know the most junior person in, in, in the business, which one is a massive, massive problem. And two, we don't spend enough time talking with actual customers. We look at spreadsheets, we try and look at data, but actually getting out of our home office or office or wherever and going to speak to people and saying and understanding directly what they're facing. And we did this at the early days. And I've done this every time that I've either built a marketing strategy or built a business from scratch. It's always spending as much time with a customer at the earliest stage so you can truly understand, here's my hypothesis of your problems. Does that actually resonate? And once you've got that, because you'll need to pivot a few times, but once you've got that, the true uh, understanding of the audience you want to serve and what they really care about, everything else becomes so much easier. But we can't skip this step and we need some fidelity here. That fidelity takes us into context. So context is all about story. And I always really like this question because I think it, it prompts some, some interesting answers. The story you tell related to the problems that your customer faces what do I want to be known for? So, you know, if, if we think of your brand as what people say about you when you're not around, which essentially what it is, your brand is your reputation, your brand is your promise. So what would you want to be known for? If someone was talking about you to someone else, how would you want to be described? So that really helps us understand the story in a way we want to tell it. And this is something that Seth Godin talks about a lot and absolutely adore it. What change do we seek to make? All good marketing seeks to move someone from point A to point B. So what change are we seeking to make? So now we know the problems and the context of the users that we seek to serve and make a difference to the lives of. What change is it we want to make? What do we want to be known for? And then finally, this is probably the easier one, but this is often where most people start with a strategy is like, what do I want to achieve? So all I would like really kind of think a little bit more about going into a bit more detail around who our audiences are and the stories we want to tell. I'll give you an example. In each of these steps, I'm going to give you an example. This is a business called Simterra. They are a business I advise, but not affiliated with in any other way. Um, they are a construction software company. So it doesn't really get much more boring than that, to be honest. So um, the idea of this business, they're a startup, they're trying to grow. And naturally, you know, if we think about the context and the story they want to tell, they got very crisp on who their audiences are. So project managers working in construction, the problems that they face, which is they spend their whole life doing uh, manual paperwork or trying to communicate on WhatsApp, which just creates absolute chaos. And now they want to tell a story. 
So they, their story is all about, you know, being in the, you know, living the lives of their customers by talking their language and so they can really feel their pain. So whether that's through this kind of chat GPT orientated meme we've got here, which generated I think nearly 8 million views, which is a bit insane. Uh, YouTube shorts are performing incredibly for them uh, at the moment, just as a kind of bit of an FYI, but also how they told the story that their story doesn't change. It's, it's very consistent, you know, less time filling up forms, more time living your life, really simple, really crisp. Um, about the story they want to tell. But the way that they tell it through creativity is very, very interesting. So whether it's through dressing up as a dinosaur and going to, to events, the great thing about B2B is that it's so easy to stand out if you just want to be a little bit more brave. It becomes a unique brand asset. You know, everyone now don't be a dinosaur, etc. So that's the kind of narrative here. But ultimately, the story stays the same. So it's all about they know the customer problem, they're living the life of it, and they're able, because they truly understand it, they're able to kind of represent that problem in a lot of unique and entertaining ways. So that kind of takes us nicely onto the, the third step of this, which is which is creativity. Now, I don't class myself as a very creative individual. Uh, you give me a blank sheet of paper. I won't really know what to do, but I can think as soon as someone gives me a bit of an outline of something. So it gives me a framework to operate within. So that's what I'm going to offer up here. So as we now think about where we're at in the journey, I'll flip back actually very quickly, where we're at in the journey, we've truly understood our audience, we've validated with them. So we have great certainty of the problems and what our audience face. So we feel like we've lived the life of, of our consumer. We've now understood the story we want to tell, right? And we can think about like, who, what do we want to be, what do we want to be known for and the, the change that we seek to make. Now, with that in mind, we can start telling that story in different ways. But let's, let's think about this in the way of content pillars. Now, everyone probably on this call will already know about content pillars anyway. Um, and naturally, you'll probably have some different content pillars that you work on today. And like I said, you know, if if you've got a way of working, that's totally cool. So this is my um, my perspective on it. I try and keep things because I'm a simple guy. I try and keep things very, very simple. So I call this the best content strategy, uh, excuse the pun, but essentially across these four pillars, pretty much all of social media strategy and all of the kind of execution of the strategy can be unleashed. So bond content is all about building the relationship. It's about introducing, it's about engaging. It's about those things that if we flip back to the Simterra example, it's about these yeah, slightly more viral in nature posts, but ones that really say, hey, we, we hear you, we get, we get your pain, you know, we, we're, the, we're the same as you, essentially getting on the same level of them. That's kind of the, the bond-orientated content. Educate is where, personally, I'm always happiest creating content in that space. Build trust through providing value. Pretty simple. I don't need to talk about it too much. You all get it. Then showcase, that's how we demonstrate our expertise. All of these four of these pillars are all like the foundations that we're going to build our content strategy on. One of the best ways to kind of showcase your expertise or your outcomes you create naturally unleashing that through a people that you work with, whether it's your customers, ambassadors, you know, affiliates you might work with, whatever it is, encouraging other people to share here uh, will really be a superpower for you. And of course, social media needs to deliver a business outcome as much as we'd like to pretend it's all about likes, engagements, followers, et cetera. Really, it needs to drive a business outcome. So, of course, you know, there's going to be some tell elements in that, too. So we need to define an action that our followers want to take. But really, across these four pillars, 
as far as I'm concerned for the strategies that I create, everything can always fit no matter what business I'm advising can always fit within these four personally. So I've actually created a whole bunch of prompts and some topics across all of these. So excuse the worst looking slides you've ever seen in your life. They will be shared. So this isn't designed for me to work through one by one. You'll be pleased to know. I'm not going to kill you with PowerPoint this afternoon. But um, we'll touch on the left hand side of this, which is the topics that live under each uh, of these pillars. So, for example, in like bond oriented content, like share your story, it might be, you know, your founding story as to why you got here, the purpose, why you did what you did. Um, something like creator spotlight, I find a massively underutilized opportunity because one of the best ways to grow on social is by promoting others. So if there's people that you like in your industry that you respect, show them the appreciation publicly, talk about their, their works or the things that you liked about it. And that will honestly, one, give you recognition in the industry and two, give you fantastic content, which talks about others, right? Because that becomes instantly reshareable, a great way in order to build our brand. Because the bit that, if you take away nothing else from, from today, the, the thing that I really stand for is that our main job should be encouraging other people to talk about us. We should not overvalue the stuff that we put in our feed. We need to be thinking about how can we encourage this to be this to go into other people's feeds, right? So that means getting as many people involved with our content as possible. I'm going to talk some more tactics around that uh, shortly. And then behind the scenes as well. I don't need to explain that one because you probably all get it. Educating, building trust by adding value. So it could be your top five tips, tools, trends, you know, top mistakes, what I wish I knew, that kind of thing. How to's always performed incredibly well. Um, we spent two years solidly creating how to content at Content Cal over the course of two years, delivered 30,000 new leads uh, because it was all about educating on the problems that we knew intrinsically and deeply from living the lives of those audience that we, we seek to serve. So across all those problems that we investigated, that we spent time sitting with users and understanding, you know, all of those problems we built content to address, whether it's keeping up with latest trends and changes, whether it's how to build a strategy, how to build a content calendar, all of those things. I don't need to reel them off because you all know them all. So how to's became incredibly powerful. And then, of course, you know, your favorite five. So don't forget, it doesn't have to be five. It could be three, whatever. Uh, Joe Glover does this really well by sharing the resources that um, he finds particularly valuable, which creates value for everyone else, makes the content instantly shareable because naturally everyone that's been tagged in the content is going to likely reshare it because, you know, why wouldn't you? All of that stuff creates such wonderful like goodwill in your space as well adding value to the community that you operate in you know this is this is not all um uh, about being philanthropic here either because naturally it grows your presence within an industry too showcasing right so work in progress bringing people along for the ride and to give you a bit of a, an example what we're doing here at adobe uh, i'm now uh, running uh, the, a lot of the beta programs for the products that we're working on. And we've started to get a lot of community members involved in testing these products before general release. And showing work in progress like this creates so much goodwill around uh, a brand, creates a, a really nice atmosphere of like people have early access, they feel special, etc. Great for a business too, because you get to understand um, audience sentiment before you release products. 
But those kinds of things that if you can think about some constructs in your own business where you can get people involved, have kind of special, unique experiences for individuals or even just share the things that you're working on early and often brings people along with the journey. Right. Because that's what people buy into. Uh, they don't just just buy into you because your product has the right widgets and buttons. They buy into it because they emotionally feel it. And that honestly was such a revelation to me over the last 10 years of building brands. It's like, you know, here I speak a lot about like content cal, but in our experience at content cal, we weren't the best product. We had some great things going for us for sure, but we weren't the most fully featured uh, product in the market. But the reality is, is that what we did do is spend a lot of time talking about and delivering value on how you did social media marketing, how to build a content strategy, those kind of things, and enrolling people along with the journey, taking their advice and feedback, building that into the product. All of that creates a completely unique experience versus um, more established players. So that really means like, you know, you lean into what you'd class as a marketing advantage. Big established players could not maneuver like that. Smaller players can maneuver that quickly, can be more audience centered. And those emotional connections are the things that really do build a brand. And of course, reviews, etc. I don't need to talk about that because you all know that. But the more that you can encourage others to share here, the better. And then, of course, we're going to need to tell our story as well. So whether it's launching products, driving sales, those kinds of things, there is a place for that on social, but there isn't a place for that without all of the other three bits that sit before it. Bond, educate and showcase, because they're the fundamentals that will allow us the permission. And this is an important thing. It's about permission. You know, people don't hate ads. They don't hate buying products. People just don't like it when there is not a, you know, a already agreed permission. We haven't earned the right to, to market to someone. That's what jars with people. So um, and you see lots of typical um, like narrative, like, oh, people hate ads, people hate sales. They don't really. People just hate bad experiences. And that's what we need to try and do. So even though we do have, you know, something, you know, an action we'd like people to take, we need to design the experience of that to to make it optimized for that end user. So let's then talk about this from a content planning perspective. So now we've gone through the those three steps of finding our customer. We've told the story through the, the context. And now we're building uh, where well, we're using those those four pillars, bond, educate, showcase and tell. Uh, to creatively build our strategy. So what might it look like? So uh, this is built in, in Adobe Express uh, using our content calendar here. Now, I want to caveat this, that even though I've said, like, here's our four different pillars that we run every single week, and underneath that is each of those topics that we were just talking through. So, of course, you could work it just like that. So you've got a, a really predefined plan that you could work with every single month if you so desire. And for me, I personally find this um, really empowering because one of the things I hate most from my personal perspective is like looking at the calendar for the week ahead and going, I have no idea what I'm going to be talking about. So that is a place that we don't want to be. So we want to have some structure which takes some of the cognitive overhead away from how we plan our content. Now, I don't for a minute think everyone should post every single day. Here's just an example. But what I would encourage anyone to do is like building, building content, creating content is a muscle, right? It's a muscle that we need to build and grow and develop. 
And that happens through consistency. So whether that's consistency of posting once a week or twice or three times a week, doesn't really matter. It's about creating that muscle to encourage that consistent approach to publishing. And there is no best times to publish. There's no best amount of posts to publish in a week, et cetera. As much as we'd love to have those simple rules and frameworks, there are some, some high level metrics related to it. Realistically, there is no single guiding principle. But ultimately, this can give you some um, a nice structure to work with. And it's worthwhile saying just as a, a quick side note. And one of the things I'm particularly pleased about is that this week we just made all of this content planning stuff uh, in and publishing stuff in Adobe Express entirely free. I've been campaigning this for a while because I think this should be available to everyone uh, without a cost. So now it is available. Anyway, that is the only plug you'll hear from me today. And I'm going to continue. Now, I'm going to continue on the most uh, important part of any strategy, any strategy at all, is about community. And probably it shouldn't be at number four, it probably should be at the start. But either way, it works better in this framework. So now we know how we want to tell our story. We know who we want to tell it to. Now we need to think about the community side of stuff. Community is a bit of a nebulous, esoteric concept. So let's try and kind of create some definitions around it. And perfect time that we're actually doing this in the best marketing community on the planet too. Anyway, right at you, uh, James. So um, you know what I mean. it. Anyway, so naturally creator economy has exploded niche communities. The thing I find particularly fascinating about social media right now is that there is an explosion of niche communities. Really exciting because social media is becoming less centralized and more fragmented, which is which is absolutely brilliant. So that you can see this in the growth of like Discord, Patreon, Substack, Reddit, they're all growing double digits every single year. The reason for that is because people are feeling more comfortable working in those smaller, safer spaces. And that really talks to everything we started this session with, with like, you know, uh, the power of uh, social over search, why people were trusting peers, etc. You know, we all turn to others for recommendation. We want to go to our safe spaces to drive our recommendations of our products. So realistically, how we operate in communities will define the success of our social media strategy. So let's think about communities for a second. You know, um, let's try and categorize these a little bit. And um, James, you feel free to chime in as well, because, you know, you're community pro too. And I think, you know, this is my definition. I'm curious to know others take on this too. Anyway, this is the way I think about it. They could be product based. So they could be focused on a specific product like Salesforce have a great one, more of a user group. You could be category based, based around like the marketing discipline, you know, the marketing meetup, for example. Then you can, so that's product or category, but then you can also look at it from your own construct of like owned communities. So which are the ones that you own? So we've got one at Adobe, uh, the a Facebook group called the Adobe Express Insiders, which is fine. It works quite well. There's a uh, hundred thousand or so members there, reasonable engagement. There's also non-owned partner communities, groups of individuals that feature your target audience. So this is where a lot of wonderful stuff happens. Now, if I take it back to like Content Cal example, we had our own community and it's on Facebook, didn't perform that well because it's very hard to get a community to, to be super engaged and turn up again and again. That's why TMM is quite remarkable and it's incredible what's happened with um, the marketing meetup. It's very rare to achieve that level of community engagement. So. Typically, building a community as a business, as exciting and interesting as it sounds, it's very unlikely that many businesses deliver on it unless you've got the scale of Salesforce or Adobe. 
Um, but then you've got non-owned or partner communities. And this is where at Content Cal, we had massive success working with every single Facebook group, uh, working with every little Discord channel, Slack community related to social media managers and social media marketing. Spent so much time working with individuals in that, uh, that ran those communities. And that is where the opportunity comes because these micro communities, and probably won't sound very nice when I phrase it like this, but they operate like echo chambers because they're in a trusted sphere. Um, when people recommend products in those spaces, everyone assumes that recommendation and everyone believes in it too. And we saw this playing out within the marketing meetup community where people would ask, what's the best social media product? Lots of people would say Content Cal and more and more people would chime in and say, oh yeah, Content Cal, because it became the only product that they knew in the space. So it was really interesting to see how in that sphere of influence, how a few people start to, to recommend something, it then just assumes like the go-to product within those space. Basically, you can become a very big fish in a small pond and in many, many different small ponds. That's, that's a very interesting thing that happens. And honestly, very few businesses think about social media in from that perspective. And that just became our marketing advantage. It became the thing that allowed us us to grow our content, to grow our, our brand and trust to grow, et cetera. So um, let's talk about the impact of people for a moment. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna check time. I'm gonna speed through for the next five minutes because I wanna get as many questions in. But the impact of people, super substantial. Look at the difference. You know, I'm no football fan, so I couldn't really talk about this. But what is very interesting is when you put uh, a human narrative to a story, how much more that grows. We saw that happen in the, the personal profiles um, as we were building content. I've seen that happen across other businesses I've advised to. Un you know, it makes perfect sense, right? Because eyes earn trust. People believe the stories of individuals and we want to follow the journeys of the people that we truly care about. Um, I'm going to skip over that one, actually, because that was just people saying nice things about me and we don't need that. So um, so collaborations. There are so many tools. And this the thing that makes me excited about this is because all the social media channels are leaning into this because they've recognized the power of, of collabs. And whilst there's lots of different things like TikTok's branded mission, there's collabs on Instagram, which I absolutely adore, because as we know, as soon as you tag someone else uh, as a collaborator in the post, it goes to their feed and your feed. You've doubled the reach, probably 3 x it because the person you've collaborated with likely have more followers. You know, all of that is such an incredible way of extending your reach uh, of your brand outside of just thinking about what you post in your own channels. So um, the other thing I just want to call out here is that when you work with others, whether it's like, like think about an interview format, whether it's a Instagram live, whether it's something like we're doing today on a webinar, whether it's a podcast, they are the highest leverage pieces of content you could ever create. Not only can you repurpose that content very easily and a bit of a tool tip here, I'm not affiliated with it, but I, I love it. Best tool I've seen in social media for years. Uh, it's called Opus Clip. Um, I'm sure many of you know it. You can put one long form piece of content into it and it just spits out loads of uh, short form versions. Um, I think you've probably used that as well. I've certainly seen something that looks similar, but yeah, shoot, it, it's a best kept secret, but it's an amazing, amazing product. And that's what I mean, leverage, because you can increase the velocity of your content. And of course, because you've worked with others, it naturally makes it inherently resharable. Big brand example, you know, 7.8 billion views just from this collab across this thing called McDonald's menu hacks. 
uh, where McDonald's uh, had this concept of like putting together these random assortment of McDonald's meals and creating their own kind of cocktail of McDonald's stuff. Sounds interesting. Either way, to call it uh, menu hacks. And it became such a massive thing on TikTok because they accelerated that through uh, partnerships and individuals. And we know the impact that that has. I mean, I can only dream of seeing those kind of numbers. I'm sure most of us can't, but most of us aren't McDonald's, but you get the concept of how powerful this can be. And it doesn't, and is not reserved for massive businesses, working with others and allowing others to encourage your content to proliferate. Right. I am going to fire through this because I've only got two more things, I think, and then we're going to go into, into this. Now, uh, I'm not going to talk through this because this is the nerdiest slide in the world, and it is also one of my favourite ones. The point being, I'm going to share these slides, and looking at this will really help us define the channels we want to focus on. And the, one of the main takeaways here, if we look at LinkedIn users at the end, so few people are unique to a platform. It's so important to think like multi-channel when we're thinking about our content strategy. So if you look at LinkedIn users, only 0.2% are unique to a platform, yet 52% of them are also on TikTok. So thinking more broadly and holistically about our content strategy is super important. I'm going to actually go through some other, um, I'm going to forget some of those benchmarks actually, because I think Sophie's spoke a lot about like trends, what channels are growing. Little kind of quick tip for you just on those those channels. YouTube Shorts performing incredibly well uh, for reach. Um, Instagram Reels are beating TikTok in terms of average views and TikTok and LinkedIn are still the best for engagement rates. So they're my kind of four top tips. Cut that nice and short. Now, I'm going to go into calculation. I've got two slides and then we're going to go into uh, into questions and answers because looking at metrics as we're at the final step of these kind of six C strategy. The I only look at metrics through two lenses. I want to use this to define and I've shared this um, numerous times before, actually, but it doesn't change. Um, this is how I define what good content looks like. I look at anything within the intersection of impression rate and engagement rate for any posts that delivered significant impressions, i.e got really far, and then anything that delivered great engagement rates. So the magic happens in the middle of those circles. So we don't need to just go viral. And that's why I say don't go viral for viral sake, because it doesn't matter if we get loads of views, but we don't get depth of engagement, because naturally that doesn't help anyone. But what we want to do is maximize the reach of our content, i.e. impressions, which is calculated just by the number of views we get divided by followers, and our engagement rate. So the engagement's divided by followers. Anything that hits the middle of that metric is bang on. I would only evaluate content once a month. I try and push out any uh, any request to look at performance uh, in less than a month, because honestly, you know, to look at social media impact, you have to step back, get a broader perspective. Trying to do micro analysis, I, I find actually not very helpful at all. But the most important thing, bar anything, right? So this, this defines everything I've spoken about today, the social media metric that matters more than any other. Many of you know this, James, you know this because I've spoken about this before. Um, we need to think about share of voice. We don't need to think about it right away, but we absolutely, this is the way I'd look at it every single quarter, which is the impact of all of the things that we've spoken about. 
because everything I stand for is about getting more people to talk about a brand. So the way that we can evaluate that won't necessarily necessarily be through our follower growth or number of likes. We evaluate that by the impact that we're having on the market. Share of voice is simply the number of times that you're mentioned across the whole Internet. And if you compare your share of voice to your market share, uh, if your share of voice is higher than your market share, you will grow. This is a single chart I show to investors, other stakeholders in ContentCal, because I knew we had 5% market share. Hootsuite had 30%. Uh, but our share of voice was over theirs, was above theirs. So we continued uh, to pick customers from them forever, right? And that's that's what allowed us to, to grow that quickly. It's what allowed our trust and our brand reputation to grow, which ended up, you know, six years later uh, with us getting acquired by Adobe. So it's all built around how do we build a brand that is adored, a brand that is trusted, a brand that is recommended consistently. And just beware, one final note before we go to question and answers, beware the measurement trap that what we can't see versus what we see. Attribution and trying to measure social and micro lens is, you know, we will go nowhere. And I've spoken about this slide numerous times uh, with like senior stakeholders, et cetera, people that don't understand social. It's because attribution software, whether you use Hootsuite or Salesforce or whatever, won't tell you the full picture of how people discovered it. Right. Typically, the way that we uh, get inspired and learn about products and get recommended products or services to buy, as we spoke about right from the beginning, you know, it's it's nuanced, it's messy, it, it's not a linear funnel. So when you look at that, we can't really attribute it to a single moment. But ultimately, as long as we are looking at this, like through the big picture, through the lens of share of voice, we can truly see the impact that social media is having at a macro level. And let's end up, let's end on this slide. This is the framework that we went through going deep on our customer, truly understanding from a deep understanding of our customer, what the problems that we're trying to solve are and how we want to tell that story in a consistent and practical way and the change that we seek to make. Once we understand that deeply, we can then accelerate that through uh, our best content strategy, bond, educate, showcase and tell the simple four pillars that everything's built around building those relationships with the community to amplify that content. The channels that we're going to need that are growing right now, which, as I said, YouTube Shorts, TikTok uh, and LinkedIn and Instagram Reels are the top four that give most bang for buck in terms of reach right now. And the single metric that matters more than anything else is understanding how share of voice will impact us at a macro level. Good Lord, that's a lot of talking. And I know I've meant to have more time for questions than that, but we're there. We made it. Well done, mate. Don't worry, it's uh, it's all valuable stuff, and we uh, we really appreciate you going through uh, through all of that. Um, there was a there was a point where you said about going viral, uh, not being particularly valuable. Joe and I uh, had exactly the same thing earlier in the year. Uh, sorry, uh, uh, late last year, where we um, we shared two McDonald's adverts, one in the UK and one in the United Arab Emirates, uh, and it went viral on lots of platforms, millions, I, I millions, millions of views. And it borders absolutely no value, absolutely no value at all. We ended up with loads and loads of new followers, um, but they weren't our people. They weren't our audience. They would, um, and ultimately, what we've seen is loads of people dropping off uh, early part of this year as they realised that they're not marketers and they're not part of our community. So, mm. so yeah, that's um, that's really really important. And 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 that messy attribution thing, I think, is uh, is something that people will. Um, It'll be a useful slide to share when they're, when they're being asked to uh, justify spending money on uh, on social media.
Exactly. That we have uh, 29 open questions and 10 minutes. Uh, okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you these uh, questions afterwards and maybe you can uh, go through them and, and, and share on, um, on LinkedIn afterwards. If you don't follow Andy already, Andy pumps out more content than I understand how. Uh, and it's always really, really useful. So is it uh, is it Andy R. Lambert on most? Of your yeah, name? Andy R. at Andy R. Lambert Andy on R. Lambert. all. Um, okay, let's let's kick off with the uh, first question, which is about getting buy-in uh, from uh, senior leadership teams. Um, the uh, the person that's asked this is is saying that they want to try and get people involved in social media. Um, so I'm guessing this is particularly when coming. Uh, well, in fact, they say uh, involved in LinkedIn. Have you got any tips on on sort of getting staff members involved in in posting on LinkedIn? Um, I think I I like to point them in the direction of um, there's some amazing research, uh, and I share this regularly from if you search B two B Institute on on LinkedIn. So if you search that amazing amazing so many resources there. I would use that um, as some some toolkits to to share. Uh, it is a hard. There's no quick and easy answer to this one. I wish employee advocacy and getting people to share was more of a thing on social, but there's there's a lot we need to do to to help kind of people feel confident to do it because naturally, like shame is a thing that prevents people back. Like, how will they be perceived by others and the fear of like someone else you know someone that they knew from a few years ago commenting on a post that's a really difficult thing to to get over um the only thing you you can do is is point them in the direction of one like there's some see, very tactical business um b2b research on this but two from a personal standpoint is that you know you can point them to um people i don't know i'm struggling for other examples but like joe like james me are all examples of people that our lives and our careers have been changed by the personal brand that we've built. Um, so not everyone's going to be in for that, but um, honest. Yeah. Very honestly, like my career would not be, not be here without um, what I'd done on LinkedIn. Yeah, it's Simply. true. I think one of the things we've done some LinkedIn training before uh, and a lot of people are like, well, I don't know what to, I don't know what to post. And I think when you've, when you've got like, a framework that you can work around and those content pillars and all that sort of thing and ways of idea of generating ideas that that breaks down i think if you break down a number of the barriers for them mm. then the final one is about confidence in themselves um but if there's lots of barriers like i don't know what to post i you know then then it's a, it's a much harder ask um yeah. patrick asks uh, what's your process of testing different social media platforms how long do you usually spend on testing specific platforms uh, let's take threads for instance, maybe we use this uh, before you say this platform doesn't doesn't work for us. Great question. Um, for for me personally, I've made it a little bit easier on myself because I post the same thing um, every single Tuesday. So I post a roundup of what's happened in the world of social media. It's the same consistent thing every single Tuesday, which makes it really easy for me to put the same thing. I put exactly the same content. Some people think I'm a heathen for doing this, but hey, there is no right or wrong in social. We're all making up as we go along. So um, I put the same exact thing on every different network I can I can think of, whether it's YouTube Shorts or you know, TikTok or Reels or whatever. 
And I do that for a, for a month, literally just copying and pasting the same thing. Do that for a month. Um, did it for a month with threads, just doing that once a week. Uh, turned out that nothing happened. So threads got dropped. And I basically use that single content format as my, my test bed, basically. So what I just recommend is that, you know, I'd recommend this anyway, is that every week or at least at some particular frequency have a consistent piece of content like every monday you do x you know like a roundup of something or you know whatever it might be um and just use that as like your basis to to perform any tests on because it's the closest you can get to a scientific experiment that it will never be truly you know foolproof because you know there's you can't replicate the same experiences but hopefully that will give uh give you an idea yeah, I think there's something to be said when it comes to strategy in terms of deciding what not to do as well um, and actively not posting on certain channels and focusing on ones where you have got a bit of traction. You know, people taking taking Joe, who's at 68 or 70,000 followers, whatever it is on, on LinkedIn, he's been posting every day for years, like six, seven, eight years he's been doing it. And that that growth has come in the last two years from sort of maybe 10,000 up. Um, but that's that's consistency and learning the platform. And, you know, uh, I don't think you can really judge a platform, you know, with it within a week or two as to as to how it how it's going. I think it's a, a decision you just have to make, really. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, so we've got an anonymous question here. Uh, our directors see, uh, see the importance of social strategy in our B2B. But how can I effectively demonstrate the direct financial impact? It can be hard to answer how much money did social make this month? Well, <laughs> yeah, a tough one. Yeah, that is uh, that is where I defer to my kind of share of voice question uh, or answer. Um, I would use, I would look at whatever your competitor sets are. Um, and we did this in the early days. It, it got one of our investors, yeah, hungry straight away because... I just put in, I used a tool called Mentionlytics, cumbersome to say, but good product. Um, I'll, uh, I'm going to type that, Mentionlytics, type that in this chat. Is, this um, is how you got your share of voice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So did that, put the our competitor in, um, and then showed where our tiny little share of voice was at that point. I was like, the reason we're not growing as quickly as we want to right now is because everyone's talking about Hootsuite. So um, we need to change that. And it was that kind of competitive um, tension that got uh, that particular individual fired up by this to go like, this is what we're going to need to do. Um, you can you can also use, hopefully, I can serve an ex as an example. You feel free to, to use the examples I've shared of content counter, you know, and, um, you know, point, point them in the direction of me as to the impact that it makes to build a business and ultimately get it sold just because, you know, what, just because, well, because it was a business that, you know, a company like Adobe discovered when they were going to market to look for, for, a, um, for, a, for an organization. So yeah, that's the impact it makes. Um, share of voice is my go-to on this um, monetary impact that we get ourselves into the attribution trap that I shared before. You, you won't ever see a linear, just, I think we just need to forget it and go, we're not going to see uh, any form of linear, like, oh, we did this on social, it resulted in X pounds, unless we're unless we're doing ads, obviously. But for organic, for the real juicy stuff that really defines a brand, you can't, you, you literally can't. All you can do is step back and go at a macro level, this is how businesses grow. So if we want to be on that journey, then um, 
then that this is what we're going to need to do. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, we've probably got time for loads of people asking about the uh, share of voice stuff. So that's that's really useful. I can put that link uh, in the follow up email. Cool. Um, let's pick one more. Let's go for the top voted one. Uh, as a B2B marketer where our main channel is LinkedIn, is it right to focus on providing valuable slash educational content? Or would you recommend creating a strategy that has a variety of posts, including promotional? Great question. Um, I think everything need, needs to have a balance. How you weight it will uh, will differ. Um, and yeah, great to great to hear what you've done so far. Uh, I would still apply that same kind of you know bond, educate, showcase, and tell strategy to it because you still want to drive some form of business outcome off the back of that. It's just about. Um, uh, just uh, balancing it really. Yeah. Just want to say as well, I've somewhere in the chat, which has probably got lost now, but I'm going to share it again. Uh, this is a link to the slides we went through, uh, which has all of like the post ideas um, that we just went through. Thank you, Andy. That was super, super useful. Uh, the recording of this will be live on YouTube uh, later on today. Uh, next week, we have a chap called uh, Anthony Rose. Uh, he's the CEO of Seed Legals. Um, and he's going to talk about how he has tapped into uh, a content goldmine uh, by building a private social media community. I believe it's on, on WhatsApp. Um, and I think it's going to be a really interesting uh, story that's that's going to spark some ideas. Um, so thank you ever so much, everybody, for, for coming today. Thanks again to Frontify for uh, being the lead partner on this one and all of our partners. Uh, you can sign up for uh, the webinar next week. Uh, Joe's going to be running that one. Uh, Andy, you're a legend. Uh, we'll love to have you back soon and go and connect with Andy and ask lots of questions and I'll send you all the all the rest of the Q&A so you can have content for days. Amazing. Amazing. Happy to answer any questions. Sorry we can get through all of them. I talk far too much, as I said I would. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for having me, James. Thank you, everyone. Take care, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Bye.